It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Tora Shea Pruden straight ahead. Um, Tora, tell me about uh, the organization uh, that you're involved with, Equality for Her. Um, Equality for Her is a nonprofit organization that provides um, learning materials for um, for the public that are free to the public, um, and it takes um, and it takes community activists and walks them through the process of creating those learning materials um, from the beginning stages to the end stages, and then provides them um, online um, once they're completed. Um, and you can find it on equalityforher.org, um, free to use. Well, I didn't. I didn't mention this when I introduced you um, as as the director of brand growth at Equality for Her. That you also work as a social media manager, freelance journalist, and culture critic. Um, what, what is a culture critic? Um, a culture critic is someone I, who um, analyzes different aspects of pop culture. Um, and <laughs> and either writes about them um, or tweets about them. So I have interviewed um, people. I've interviewed different celebrities. I've done magazine articles. So as a as a critic, I feel like I <laughs> didn't want to just pigeonhole myself <laughs> into one specific category. <laughs> so I gotcha. used culture critic as a catch-all term for all of the things that encompass the way that I analyze film and <laughs> and wherewithal. Um, Tora, have you worked with National Geographic or National Geographic Kids before? No, this is my first foray into the world of National Geographic. <laughs> and and how was it? Um, it's it's kind of a kind of a big machine. 
Um, I would say that it is. It, it was a very pleasant experience. Um, they really cared about the material, and our voices were heard. So, and the product that we that we created was um, is amazing, and I I'm very happy with what came out. So, one of the things about National Geographic. Um, in whatever projects they do, the uh, the photographs are just breathtaking, and the quality of the uh, publication, the final product, the book itself, um, the the way they reproduce that photography and lay out the books is is always uh, just state of the art. Um, to what degree? Did the National Geographic Library, their their photographic library, inform some of the choices uh, that were made in what to include? Um, well, we were able to, um, ahead of time, we were able to look through um, um, a list of pictures. We were able to look at some of the pictures that would go along with things, um, so we we were kind of ahead of the gate on that. So <laughs> so I guess we we did have that in the bag. I, I've always been a fan of National Geographic I've, ever since you know the Scholastic Book Fair. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to be in in the room when people were going through photographs uh, from National Geographic because it just seems like this daunting task they've been around for more than a hundred years and they have all this this great history captured in photographs and i can't even imagine what it would be like to go through that pile of stuff and go well i think we want this one and we want this one it'd, it'd be like that list that that you cross names off of <laughs> right when we were um especially there's there's one story, especially um, the interview with the cave diving expedition. Um, and I was looking through the photos and I was like, wow, this is just amazing. I got so caught up in the photos. <laughs> I, I was, I forgot, almost forgot to write the story because the photos were just so breathtaking. But, <laughs> but yeah, the um, National Geographic photos are, have always been like that. It's, it's they're one of a kind um it's but they're known for that and they're known for putting out quality quality books like this they always have been now the um more and more national geographic is has developed an online presence plus uh, you know a, a tv channel um is is there a planned TV version of this project, um, and and or is it available online as well as this uh, beautiful hard copy I'm looking at? Um, <laughs> I wish. Um, fingers crossed. Maybe speak it into existence. <laughs> but you can, <laughs> but you can purchase it on um, online um, as well. Um, I'm not sure if you can purchase PDF versions of it, but I do know that you can purchase it online. 
Well, I just I just wondered if there was an ebook version because so many books now do have that that option. Um, do you have anything uh, anything else in the works with uh, National Geographic coming up? Um, not yet. Um, I am in talks with agents right now, but nothing yet with National Geographic. I keep hearing people talking about um, that we had so many, um, since we had so many people that we had to cut that we should do a, a second book, but one can only wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that that wouldn't surprise me because I've seen that happen with others, you know, the photo arc. <laughs> had multiple iterations so you know may, maybe it's it's closer than you think what is next for you tora um well i am currently talking about currently talking with different agents and working on a, another book for myself um and we'll see what happens from there <laughs> Do you have, uh, well, I would guess if you're um, known as a social media manager, um, do you have a website, Tora? Yes, I do. You can go to torashay.com and check up on my latest shenanigans, see what I'm working on. Um, I do keep it updated. Well, um, what are some of the things that you hope... um, readers will get from this uh, from this book? Um, I really hope that readers will come away from this book with a um, an expanded worldview, um, just kind of an understanding of how how many women throughout history have fought for for what you know, what 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 they what they needed and overcome hardships and while you may be going through something it may not be you may not feel like it's as hard as what they're going through but draw from their experiences and still fight for what you need and and just go after what you what you want um and that's that's really it just be bold be brave and go after what you want that's all all girls are going after something within their lives and just don't let anything be too too daunting did you and Paige uh, Towler and uh, Marissa Sebastian all do interviews uh, with people for the book um yeah we we ha- we all had interviews um for this book um <laughs> Um, you can see all of the, we, there are so many interviews. You can all see, you can see all of the interviews spread out throughout the book. Um, do, do you have a my favorite? favorite is Roxanne Gay. Yes, I think my favorite is Roxanne Gay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I, I want to thank you for spending this time with me, and I, I wish you all the best of luck with, uh, with National Geographic Kids Girls Can Too. <laughs> <laughs> hoping that 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 happens but but in the meantime uh the name of the book is uh, girls can smash stereotypes defy expectations and make history from national geographic 
And uh, my guest is uh, Tora Shea Pruden, Director of Brand Growth at Equality for Her and a contributor to this uh, National Geographic project. Tora, thanks for spending time with me. I appreciate it. Thank you so, so much for having me. This was quite a fun time. All right. You take care. You too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Again, that was uh, Tora Shea Pruden, Director of Brand Growth at Equality for Her and a contributor to a new project from National Geographic Kids called Girls Ken. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight up. Hey there. I'm Michigan Governor Gretchen Wetmer. Might surprise you to be hearing from me, some smoke show Midwestern governor nobody heard about till a couple weeks ago. But governors are kind of having a moment right now. And while other govs get cool nicknames like Daddy Cuomo and Gavin Choke Me King Newsome, Trump refers to me as that woman from Michigan. But I'm not offended because I am proud to be from Michigan. And that woman is also what Trump calls his wife. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm. And yeah, yeah, I'm nursing all the bats because... Even though most frickin' governors are laying down restrictions because of the virus, mine are somehow too far. Now, you may have heard about the protesters that gathered in the streets of our capital for Ted Nugent cosplay last week. Look, people, it's live free or die, not live free and die. And Trump advisor Stephen Moore is comparing these protesters to Rosa Parks. Yeah. If Rosa Parks was fighting for her right to get hit by a bus. Sorry, that's a little bad talking. But I support all Americans and Michiganders' freedom of speech. So if you got to protest, here are some tips on how to do it safely. Number one, stay home. I promise you can call me a bitch from the safety of your couch. It's called Twitter. So if you must head outside, maintain proper social distancing. That means six feet apart at all times. So if the tip of your AK-47 can touch the tip of your buddy's AK, back up. And please, wear face masks, but not a joker mask. And not a clown mask, and absolutely no masks that come with the hood. Now, like you, I have heard the rumors that I'm on the short list to be Joe Biden's vice president, the VP's VP. Because if it's going to be a woman, it might as well be that woman. But my sole priority is my home state because we're not out of the woods. We never will be. We live in Michigan. And to anyone that stands in the way of the health and safety of my constituents, I'll remind you, the Michigan is a mitten, right? And this, this is where I live. Oh, dang it, they're throwing dog crap at my door. Knock it off, I'll throw it back. I did it last time too, you know I will. TomSumnerProgram.com Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bai from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. The marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artists who made them famous. You'll thrill to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Ballet Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel, and who can ever forget this all-time classic... Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War, all for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jeff Snareplane, Lotharian hand people, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, Golden Protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70K. Do it today. TomSumnerProgram.com TomSumnerProgram.com
This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My my guest is an international human rights and labor lawyer who serves as Senior Oceans Advisor at Greenpeace USA. His name is Andy Shen, and he joins me by phone. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Pleasure to be here. Um, Andy, I was uh, reading something that the uh, Department of Labor recently was uh, supposed to disclose uh, if Taiwan caught tuna is going to make the 2020 list of goods produced by child labor or forced labor. Um, Did it make the list? It did. I'm very happy to share that last Wednesday on September 30th, the Department of Labor announced uh, that they added Taiwan, um, all Taiwan uh, fish that's um, caught on the high seas in the international waters uh, by the the long-distance fleet uh, is now listed um, as a good produced by forced labor in its uh, most recent report. Now, is it actually uh, forced labor that's catching the fish or the way that it's processed after it's uh, harvested? So it's actually the, the, the forced labor, the allegation of forced labor on the fishing vessel itself really? uh, that has prom- prompted uh, the listing of Taiwan, yes. Now, when the Department of Labor puts this list out... Um, for 2020, as they did a week ago. Um, what does that, what what comes with that? What does that do anything uh, to, I don't know, curb or, or stem the practice? Well, I, 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 would, I would think so. I would like to, to see that happen, and it should. So, so what happens is that, you know, this Department of Labor list of goods which is released every two years, is one of the most authoritative sources uh, on the kind of state of forced labor in industries around the world. And so this was the first time that any um, what are called distant water fishing nations, which are you know, the, 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 the countries that are fishing for, for example, tuna on the high seas, the first time that any of these countries has been listed. So China and Taiwan were actually both listed last week uh, for forced labor. And this should actually send a lot of shockwaves through industry. Uh, both in Taiwan and also here in the in the retail sector, um, and the, the the companies that are sourcing from the Taiwanese uh, and Chinese fleets, um, and so what this is basically serves as an official notice to these companies that they should really be aware that there's a high risk of forced labor uh, in these seafood supply chains, and they need to act. Otherwise, there could be potential legal consequences uh, from not acting. We know, for example, U.S. Customs has recently um, issued a detention order on a Taiwanese-owned fishing vessel for suspected forced labor. And so there's likely to be more such actions that may happen because we know that U.S. Customs, Department of Justice, they're all going to be watching more closely on the, on the countries that are on this list. Now, you mentioned Walmart and Costco as, uh, uh, or at least a, a release I have mentions them as major American retailers and tuna brands like Bumblebee that source extensively from the Taiwanese fleet. Um, I, I can't imagine these places are going to stop selling tuna. What what are they? What what do they do with the information they get now? Well, I mean, now I think for for many years there's been there's been reports. We produced numerous reports with allegations of 
serious forced labor and human trafficking. And companies have been slow to react. You know, they've kind of been dismissive in saying, you know, these are isolated cases. But what's important is that this Department of Labor report, what it establishes is that there's pervasive forced labor in the sector. So that's something is not isolated. It's pervasive. And so the threshold to be on the list is actually quite high. So it's taken a lot of effort for us to get that to happen. And so now companies really cannot be turning a blind anymore. They have to really act on, on these findings um, and they need to really clean up their supply chain. So they need to do much more uh, due diligence, monitoring of um, working conditions in their supply chain all the way down to the best fishing vessel. So a lot of times right now what companies are doing is that they're only doing uh, monitoring of the factories that, that process the, the fish after it's caught, but they don't actually do monitoring of conditions on the vessels. But what this shows is that that's incredibly dangerous and is high risk. And so companies need to act or, you know, there potentially could be um, real consequences, both from the, the regulatory side in the U.S., but also consumers are becoming increasingly aware of what they're buying. And when you talk about forced labor now, I, I immediately got the impression we were talking about at the processing plant and not on the boats themselves. But you're talking about forced labor actually doing the fishing. How, how does that work? What, what does that mean? Well, you know, I, this, China and Taiwan are the two largest uh, distant water fishing uh, nations uh, in the world. So they, they supply a lot of the world's tuna, both in the U.S. and Europe and other markets in Japan, for example, as well. Um, and so what's, what happens is the majority of uh, migrant workers in the Taiwanese uh, fishing fleet are from Indonesia and also Philippines and somewhere from Vietnam. And, there's, you know, it's a long, complicated process, but basically a lot of workers at the recruitment level, where so they're in their villages in Indonesia, for example, they get recruited by local brokers or agencies that are promising them a good job, but they're actually deceiving them, and then they get tricked into going into work, and then they're kind of stuck. You know, they're out at sea for long periods of time. Um, they're not getting, for example, paid what they're told they're getting paid. They're working insane number of hours, like sometimes 20 hours a day with very little rest, um, a lot of times facing physical and verbal abuse, and really horrendous conditions. And these conditions are tantamount to forced labor. And then, okay, so the Department of Labor comes out with this report and adds credibility to claims that have been made about these, these practices. Um, but where does that information go? Andy, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't even know about this. Well, we've been trying to re, uh, raise more public awareness. So we've actually been campaigning on Bumblebee tuna uh, for a number of months now. Bumblebee is, um, was acquired by a, a Taiwanese company called FCF, which many people don't know, but they're actually a va major player in the global tuna trade. They're one of the second, they're the second largest tuna trader in the world. So they're basically middlemen between the fishing vessel owners and then the, the processing plants or, or the, the factories that process the fish. So they, they trade that fish, and so they deal with over 600 fishing vessels globally, and a lot of those fishing vessels are Taiwanese and Chinese um, flag vessels. And so we, we're doing a campaign. Uh, listeners can go to greenpeace.org forward slash USA forward slash Bumblebee petition. And so we launched our petition on Bumblebee uh, in August, and we, uh, we're upwards of uh, 13,000, 14,000 signatures right now of, um, of supporters that are calling on Bumblebee to take immediate action on their supply chain and to really tell their, their corporate owner, FCF, which we're currently in negotiations with, to really take our demand seriously 
and make the changes that are needed so consumers are no longer at risk of being complicit in human rights abuses. Are are there examples of of when a campaign like this has gotten a company, um, let's take Bumblebee, for example, to Mm -hmm. get their tuna from somewhere else, or does it manifest itself with the company that's doing the fishing um, to to change their employment practices how does that uh, how does that work when there is a reaction to it yeah so i mean what we're calling it because it's so hard to avoid sourcing from the taiwanese and chinese fish because they make up so much of the supply around the world uh, they they each have i mean taiwan has over 1000 fishing vessels china has over 1000 over 3000 fishing vessels globally. So it's really hard to replace that supply. So what we're saying is that these companies, you know, that powerful companies in the U.S. like Bumblebee that source a lot from these fishing fleets need to use their leverage, their economic power to change the conditions on these fishing vessels. So since they source so much and they have, they have leverage on these fishing companies, they can ask them to do more, to change conditions, to have better policies, better monitoring and due diligence uh, on the conditions for the workers. And if they're not, there needs to be conditions on their sourcing. And, you, you know, if, if changes are not made, then ultimately they may need to sever ties with these businesses. And, and uh, is there an option? Is there a place Bumblebee could go to? to um, or, or would they, being Chinese-owned, go to someone else to get their tuna? It's very difficult. I mean, there, there, there's five um, countries that that trade over 70% of the global supply of tuna, right? So that's Japan, Korea, China, Taiwan, and Spain, right? And so Taiwan and China are the two largest by far. And so it's very difficult to replace that. So, you know, what, what, what Bumblebee needs to do is really exert pressure and leverage. And really, it's their corporate owner, SCF in Taiwan, you know, which you know, transacts with over 600 Taiwanese and Chinese fishing vessels, um, that really has that leverage and need, it needs to exert that to make to make sure there's change. Is there something um, aside from calling them out that the U.S. Department of Labor can do? Are there um, do they have any other tools in their toolbox other than than just saying we know you're doing this? Oh, absolutely. So so what's happened is since Taiwan was put on the list last week. It's received a lot of attention uh, in the local media in Taiwan, and the political parties um, are very sensitive to this kind of uh, potential reputational damage. Uh, so what's going to happen next is that the Department of Labor will probably enter into some um, conversations with the Taiwan government. Taiwan definitely wants to get off the list. This is a, a shameful list. No country wants to be on, associated with forced labor or child labor. So they're going to want to do their best to get off the list. So Department of Labor is going to say, well, these are our conditions for you to get off the list. And so what we're doing as an NGO is we're working with other, um, other NGO allies, other trade unions to, to go to the Department of Labor and say, this is, this is what we think needs to happen before you're letting Taiwan off the hook. Do you get the impression that, that business leaders and government leaders condone these practices? It certainly feels like it. You know, it, it feels like, especially with the, the U.S. companies that source uh, from, from these fishing companies and fishing fleets, these, these reports have been out there for, for many years. We've reported on this. Uh, our first report was 2016. There's been reports about abuses going back, you know, for, for at least 10 years, if not longer. And so what, what's happening is that it's 
kind of it hasn't been really in the public eye. So companies have conveniently, you know, ignored or claimed that these are isolated incidents. But what's happening now is that we see that the U.S. government itself is recognizing that this is a serious problem, and, and companies really need to need to do more. And they, all, they also need to to make it known to the governments, the Taiwan government, other governments, where there's problems that they really demand change uh, in order for them to continue sourcing from these countries. You know, we've been talking about forced labor, but um, but also child labor. Is there evidence that that child labor is uh, at work in these uh, uh, companies, uh, either in the production or the fishing of tuna? Um, we haven't documented any child labor in our reports, our investigations on, on these tuna fishing vessels. Uh, mostly they're adult forced labor. Uh, we do know that there have been reports, of, for example, in the processing uh, processing plants or the shrimp, the shrimp peeling. Uh, many years ago in Thailand, there was a number of exposés that were done. And, you know, there was um, serious allegations of child labor happening in some of the processing facilities. Um, what are... Um is this uh, would you consider this a major win for human rights getting this uh, identified by the department of labor the way it has been in this september 30th uh, uh report we definitely think it's an important step and we we would call it a success a, a victory um uh, but it's it's only as as impactful as it's being used Right, so now it, there's definitely a lot of international pressure uh, on Taiwan uh, to change its practices because of the listing. And for the first time, this, you know, these, these distant water fishing nations are being listed. For the first time, Taiwan and China are being listed. So now it really puts a lot of pressure uh, on companies and governments to act. But it's really the next steps that are really critical, I think, to long-term reform. And this is where NGOs like Greenpeace and other organizations really need to be able to use this list and will continue to do so with our campaigns. Now, how is Greenpeace able to gather this information? I take it that Greenpeace has uh, known or at least suspected um, these uh, fishing vessels of of having forced labor. Um, how, how does Greenpeace come by that information? So we we do investigations. Uh, my colleagues in Southeast Asia, for example, Indonesia, um, they have partnerships with uh, local migrant fishermen unions and. They'll jointly do investigations. A lot of times, uh, these Indonesian fishers that are abused will return to Indonesia um, after they leave their job. They'll file a complaint uh, with these uh, Indonesian migrant fishermen unions seeking assistance uh, and remedy. And so then my, my colleagues in Indonesia work closely with these, uh, these Indonesian unions, and then they'll you know, um, identify cases where there's suspected forced labor, and then we'll use that for our advocacy. And similarly, we've also done investigations in the past where we use our ships to, uh, to go to different foreign ports around the world, and we'll collaborate with uh, NGOs in our networks that are at these ports to be able to do some interviews with, uh, with, with migrant fishermen that are at these ports and, uh, and document their conditions. And now that the U.S. Department of Labor has added China and Taiwan uh, to this uh, list of goods produced by child labor or forced labor, um, do they, when they release that information, how do they release it? Is it press releases to to major news outlets? Do they do they send uh, copies of the report or or emails to 
appropriate committees uh, in the legislature? Um, do they send it to businesses? How, how, how do they get this information out to people and to whom? Well, I mean, the Department of Labor does rely on, on NGOs quite a lot to be able to, to get the information, disseminate the information. They, they do share, you know, they publish a report. It's on their website. And it's, the, the, the report is well known enough by the business community that they know this is a, a resource they should be checking frequently to make sure they're, they're doing um, adequate due diligence in their supply chain. So this is something that businesses are, are aware of. Uh, government agencies also use it to monitor federal procurement. Um, and, you know, for, for NGOs, we definitely make it known. As soon as the report was released, for example, I went and I shared it with many um, corporate contacts that I had that I've been trying to say for a long time, you've got to act on your supply chain. And now they, I think, are recognizing it that it's, it's serious and they need to do more. Um, another, another tool that, that DOL has developed is, is actually a mobile app. So this is more directed to consumers. It's called Sweat and Toil. So it's an app that you can download for free online. And the Sweat and Toil is basically uh, the app um, captures all the findings of the report, makes it easy and easy interface for consumers to quickly uh, scan and see, you know, which goods are produced with forced labor or child labor associated with which countries. Um, Andy, how does uh, how does this investigation fit into the overall mission of Greenpeace USA? Absolutely. So our, we're doing a project right now, and we've been doing it for, for over a year, where we've been campaigning to try to improve um, labor conditions, uh, increase human rights protection, and also increase environmental protection in these distant water fisheries uh, in the tuna fishing fleet. And so we see environmental protection and human rights protection actually as actually interconnected. Because in the fishing industry, what happens is that a lot of times the drive to fish, and there's a lot of overfishing going on, a lot of legal fishing going on, that's actually a motivation to use forced labor because that will actually reduce labor operational costs. When, when the companies are not paying uh, for, uh, their workers what they're owed, when they're you know, driving workers to work 20 hours a day, every day a week, for example, that's resulting in, in, in the ability for them to, to capture more fish, and that's resulting in, um, in a sustainability problem with the, with, with the world's oceans. So we tackle these as twin issues that need to be addressed um, uh, uh, in tandem. I, do these workers have, uh, these migrant workers, do they have any real options or alternatives, or are they, they forced to work under those conditions because they, they just can't find work anywhere else? Sadly, a lot of them are, are, are desperate for jobs because of poverty in their countries, um, because of a lack of employment, and, and they, they, they hear these promises of high wages, and then they'll... They're willing to, sometimes they're willing to take the risk, and then they realize they're trapped in a very horrible situation uh, and abused, and, 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 and then they, they, until they're able to escape. And so this is, um, unfortunately, the sad reality of a lot of these countries that are sending workers in, into fishing. And, and you say they, they come from other countries. Uh, um, they're, they're migrant workers that, that come there looking for work because there isn't work where they came from. Yeah, either there isn't work or sometimes they're deceived. Sometimes they're, they may have or they may have other opportunities, but maybe not for a lucrative wage. And then they hear an advertisement um, that there are these high, supposedly high-paying jobs in a foreign fishing industry, and they're willing to take the chance because they, they want to make more for their families. And then they get stuck in a, a very um, tragic situation. And and what about the pay? Is 
is it good pay that that causes them to continue to put up with bad conditions? Well, a lot of times, and that's the problem with forced labor is that and and debt bondage is that sometimes these workers are stuck in a situation where um, maybe they have to pay off. They had to pay a, a fee or a debt to be able to get the job in the first place, and then they have to work off that debt. So, so then a lot of times their wages are withheld. So sometimes they're not being paid frequently. Sometimes it's three months, six months, or sometimes they're they're paying being paid even uh, longer periods of time. And so they're kind of working in hopes that they'll get they'll, that their families are actually getting paid because they're out at sea and this money should be transferred to their families at home. And they're they're thinking it might be happening and they're working in hopes that it happened, but then a lot of times it doesn't happen as they hope. And then in the end, um, it just becomes a very exploitative situation. Um, Andy, we're, uh, we, we just have a couple of minutes left, but um, I, I always want to uh, give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. Um, is, is there a, uh, does Greenpeace have a, a website with links to reports and, and studies and articles like this, uh, talking about this and other issues of concern to Greenpeace that, that people could explore? Absolutely. So I would go to our website, greenpeace.org slash USA. Uh, you can do a, a quick search on our website to, for, for seafood or fisheries, and you'll be able to find a, a really long list of resources. We produce numerous reports. Uh, we've done some uh, retailer rankings in the past, tuna brand rankings in the past. So there's a lot there for 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 uh, numerous years, we've been putting out resources so consumers or just the public in general that's interested can go do a search. And again, I encourage everyone to to sign the petition that we have online right now, greenpeace.org forward slash USA forward slash Bumblebee petition. Uh, please add your name to the petition to the CEO of Bumblebee. We're trying to get to uh, 20,000 signatures soon. Um, and so this is something that uh, consumers can actively do right now to make a difference. Well, Andy, thank you so much for spending this time with me and, uh, and, and making us aware of this. Thank you so much, Tom. All right. Take care. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Once again, that was uh, Andy Shen. He is uh, Senior Oceans Advisor at Greenpeace USA and an international human rights and labor Lawyer, He does uh, extensive work on labor issues in the global fishing industry. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program.
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all-night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at 4 in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. 
Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman Steady Sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman Sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you. Could you be happy if your name this was This is Sarsaparilla? U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. song from a Broadway show. The show is Paint Your Wagon and the song is I Talk to the Trees. I talk to the trees and they never listen to me. I talk to the stars but they never hear hasn't time the hasn't time to stop and hear what I hear say. What I, say. I, talk to them all I talk to them all in vain. But suddenly my suddenly someone else's Stupid song. Strange <laughs> Every time that I that yeah, I hear you sing that song, I think it, boy, what a stupid song. Yeah, yeah, thank you, but you really pick a fine time to tell me about it. Well, I wanted to surprise you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you succeeded. You surprised me. But for your information, Talk to the Trees is not stupid. It's, it's from a hit Broadway show entitled Paint Your Wagon, which was a great show. A lot of great songs. Paint Your Wagon? <laughs> Yeah. It's a stupid, sounds like a stupid show and a stupid song, and it's a dumb, and anybody connected with a show or a song like that has got to be a stupid, dumb, weirdo freak. All right, I agree with you. The show happens to be about a young man very much like yourself. Maybe I spoke a little hastily. It's about a young man very much like my brother. He's young and shy and bashful, very timid, but he's so much in love. That, that makes everything all right. He was so much in love, it was his first love, but he was so bashful that he was afraid to tell his sweetheart that he loved her and she knew not of his love. But he had to tell someone or something because it, this frustration, this terrible feeling was building up within him. And finally he did a very beautiful thing. He went out did into the Did he tell country. her that he loved her? No. He never did. He wished he could. He wished he had the courage to walk up to her and Take her by the hand and look deeply into her eyes and say very simply and truthfully, I love you. I love you very much. And I only hope that one day you may grow to love me half as much as I love you right now. I will. Because I... <laughs> That's just enough. But he couldn't do that. So one day he went out in the countryside and he tried to communicate with Mother Nature's wise old trees and, and talk to these trees and tell these marvels of nature, these wise old trees of his great guy's love. guy's a real nut. <laughs> no, he's not a nut. Sneaking off into the forest to talk to the trees. <laughs> hey, Tommy, that's not what he did. Hi there, Mr. Tree. How are you? How's Mrs. Tree? <laughs> All the little bushes. <laughs> a guy like that Tommy. would talk to a fire he hydrant. Didn't. Fire? What do you mean, fire? Hi there, fire. I've just been talking to this big old tree over here. 
certainly have a lot in common, you two. <laughs> All right, now that is just enough. Tommy, don't you understand at all? Just a second. Hi there, Stage. Used to be a tree, didn't you? <laughs> you are a very shallow, callow individual. You have made fun of this song. You haven't even tried to understand. Who's your fat friend? <laughs> Used to be a tree, didn't you, Fatty? <laughs> you leave my base See what alone. Happens? You hang around with the wrong type of people. Shut up! You really should be proud of yourself. Really, you should be very proud of yourself. You stood up here and you ridiculed me. You ridiculed this song. You ridiculed a wonderful show. And, it's, and you think everybody's proud of you out there. You think they're all looking up there and say, Oh, why? Isn't he a sharp, clever boy? No, they're all staring at you. They're staring and wondering. And they've, you know what you've shown them? You've shown them how crass, how shallow, how unfeeling an individual can be, how totally void of any poetic beauty in your entire makeup, your entire soul. You didn't understand the song? You ridiculed me and you've come down Why a, a you notch let, or two. That's you, all I've got to say. You, you what? Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't care what you do now. You didn't like, go ahead. You talked, you talked mean to me and, and you said that I didn't have any sensitivity and I was a crass, shallow person. I happen to be a person too, Dickie, and I have sensitivity and I have feeling and I have love in my heart. I'm sensitive to every little blade of grass that grows. But I wouldn't talk to him. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
it's spreading like a plague And POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well Unless you want to bid our free society farewell There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docs were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. It's super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Hi, I'm Alexander Zajic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.